Thank you so much, Daryl. Boy, first time I spoke here was in July on my birthday, and uh, this is that was 20 years we had been in the church, and I finally got invited to speak. So this is 20 weeks after my birthday. So the second time, I like that number 20. So I'm guessing it'll probably be another 20 years before I'm invited back again. But um, just in just in oh 20 days. Okay, it's moving that direction. Okay, I, I, I like that. I like. <clears throat> but uh, just in case it's another 20 years, I'll be uh, 84 in 20 years, so that's, I, I'd be still ready to speak at that, that age. <clears throat> so this is quite an honor to speak. It's kind of an end, end hopefully, of a uh, long interlude, about seven and a half months without a pastor. And I just really want to say thanks to Daryl, to our board, our search team, and uh, we know that there's a vote next week, so I don't want to be presumptuous and assuming that it's going to be a favorable, favorable vote, but we pray that it is. And I uh, just pray that uh, Jeremy will be uh, just somebody you'll really look forward to meeting this Wednesday and, and next Sunday. Uh, for those of you who are new to our church, uh, my wife Judy and I started a ministry about uh, just almost oh, 11 years ago called Yes, Young Enough to Serve. And uh, our focus is really on the, on the kingdom potential of adults over 50. So I know a lot of you in this room are well under 50, so please bear with me. I'm not going to just speak to people over 50 this morning, but uh, we just see so much untapped, uh, unrealized potential of adults. As we grow older, sometimes we think, okay, let the younger people take over, let you know, we can just kind of sit back and, and kind of watch them and, uh, and just enjoy the ride. But uh, there's just a lot of, lot of purpose God has for our, our lives. It's a lifetime journey, not, not something that ends when we retire, not something that ends when we uh, reach just certain uh, age, age milestones. This weekend we're saying, I'm not seeing any, uh, anything on the screen yet, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> next slide, next slide, there we go, and next slide, okay, this, this weekend we're saying farewell to George Bush at 94 years of age, <clears throat> Judy and I had, had the privilege of meeting him, just a random occurrence back in uh, 1982 in Bergen, Norway of all places, but uh, I'll, I'll leave that story for Judy, she can tell you that, the, the details of that sometime, but it was, it was fun, uh, we were on a family vacation, 16 family members together in Norway, and we went down, well, I guess I'm, t- I'm telling you the story, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> anyway, it was fun going back to the hotel room and telling our family, you'll never guess who we just met. It was like George Bush. It's like, who? He was our vi- <laughs> vice president uh, under, uh, under Reagan at that time. So, um, Since I last spoke, we also are, have said farewell to Judy's dad, uh, Papa Don, Don Papano. Uh, some of you here know him and have uh, just had the privilege of, of meeting him. He was really, I'd say, the inspiration behind us starting Yes, just because of the contrast we saw his life being so fruitful after the age of 50, and then just seeing the contrast of a lot of people's lives that just weren't so fruitful. But uh, he died at age of, of 90 in September, and um, one of his favorite 
things he did in the last decade of his life from age 80 to 90. Uh, he served, he just was at, there's a uh, four-square college two miles from his home, and he served there as just Papa Don on campus. He went to chapel, their chapel services twice a week and was there to pray with students, counsel them, and just had such a, a wonderful relationship with the students, with the staff, with the faculty. And it was just really cool. Uh, just had his memorial service in September, and there were probably about 250 people there for his uh, memorial service. But young and old, all ages, it wasn't just this older man who just kind of disappeared from the scene. He was still so engaged with every, every generation. There were students from that college that were there, uh, president from the college and others. Um, but here's a man, high school education, uh, born with a cleft palate. Um, our kids still don't notice that he had some, had a speech impediment of, of, of sorts. He, he really overcame that, but he's, he's still, uh, our kids just grew up with it, so they never noticed. But uh, just a wonderful, wonderful man of God and, and uh, somebody we really miss. But just a, um, something that God, God can use all of us at any age. When I was in my mid-20s, I came into the family, was uh, dating Judy at the time, and met, met uh, her dad, and he was just retiring from his painting career. And so he was uh, a house painter by trade, and so at the age of 53, 54, he was retiring. And I thought, in mid, my mid Twenties brain. I thought, okay, retired people retire, but uh, I got invited to go on a missions trip with him up to San Francisco, and there were was one other gentleman and my father-in-law and myself uh, at this missions trip. And as we were coming back from San Francisco, uh, he's I'm I'm trying to get some sleep in the back seat. He's up in the front seat talking to to his friend Stuart, and he said, the pastor in San Francisco has invited me to come on staff. And he said, I'm thinking about saying yes. And I'm in the back seat saying, no, no. You just, you just don't do that when you're retired. That was just kind of like, he, they were firmly settled in Southern California. And we're talking about the inner city of San Francisco and just a very, very tough area of, of the city. But he did say yes and, and went up there and served and so there's just so many, so many aspects of his life that, that counted for, for Christ well after the age of 50. There's just a whole, whole barrage of other things he did. But um, I was invited to speak last month in Colorado. It's called the, the Retirement Reformation Roundtable. And our daughter Heather said, I got narcolepsy on that second R. So, <laughs> uh, but it's really talking about how to, to re-envision what retirement can be like for Christians because a lot of, a lot of us uh, kind of absorb what our culture teaches us about retirement. It's about the, it's about the beach. It's about the just, just kind of coasting. If you want to do something productive, that's great. If you just want to coast for 20, 30, 40 years, that's, that's cool too. But um, it was fun to talk about my father-in-law with this group back in Colorado, just, just to see his choices that he made in his early stages of retirement uh, with robust health, those choices just carried over as he, as he grew older and just really had an impact. I want to look, uh, I'll be looking at Psalm 71, 9 through 19. 
There's a quote from a friend of, of ours. Uh, his name is Ward Tannenberg, and uh, he used to pastor in Dublin. But he said, old age is neither, neither automatically wonderful nor inherently depressing. So it goes, goes both right ways. Sometimes we want to think of it just as this, wow, panacea of no, no work, you know, kick, kick, kicking our heels back and just doing whatever we want. But it's also not, some people have the, the reverse, think, okay, that, that growing old just sounds so absolutely depressing. But it really is, it's neither one by itself. It's probably a mixture of both. There's a little bit of, of hardship, things difficult to deal, deal with as we grow older. But let's look at Psalm 71, verses 9 through 19. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch for my life have consulted together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver. O God, do not be far from me. O God, hasten to my help. Let those who are adversaries of my soul be ashamed and consumed. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek to injure me. So those verses, I, I would rather just skip to the, to the second part here, but uh, that, that's kind of talking about some of the, the struggles this psalmist went through. Uh, he was either an old, he, he obviously was gray, had gray hair like me. Um, I don't know, we don't know for sure if he was actually old or just approaching, approach, approaching old age, but, uh, but he says, as for me, I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long, for I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, yours alone, O God. You have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I'm old and gray, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who come, to all, to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O oh God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things, O oh God, who is like you. So I want this morning, um, Judy... Judy is kind of, between the two of us, she's, she's the one that really enjoys speaking. I could kind of take it or leave it for most of my, most of my life, but I'm here now, so I love speaking. I'm going to just confess that. Um, but one thing she told me early on, actually we were in a Bible study, and, and the speaker was talking about principle and all, all these principles of Scripture. It, it was really, I thought it was a good Bible study, but she, she leaned over to me and she said, I don't know if he's deep or just not clear. And so, <laughs> so hopefully I won't be unclear and I probably won't go real deep this morning. But uh, So one thing she said, tell stories, tell stories. And this is what really hit me as I read this passage. It's like this is a season we have all these stories stored up in us and it's time to tell the stories of, of what God has done. Um, and Judy was... Uh, becoming children's pastor. 17 years ago this month, she had been invited to start in uh, the following January as, as children's pastor here at CLC. Uh, 
Karen Perry Wilson took a break from being children's pastor. She was children's pastor before Judy, then Judy, and then back to, to Karen again. So uh, it's really been <clears throat> fun to, to reflect back on that period. But as Judy and I were, we were driving down to Southern California, it was just a couple weeks before she was going to start her position as children's pastor here, and she said, you know, one thing I would really would love to see get started is uh, Royal Family Kids Camp here in Santa Cruz County. And so let's, she said, would you make that a matter of prayer? And I said, yeah, let's, let's pray about that. That would be really, really cool. Her brothers had been involved with that ministry in other areas of the country. And, and so we just thought, man, that would, that would be something that would be, really be cool while you're children's pastor to get that going. On her second Sunday, it was the second Sunday of January, I remember sitting probably the second or third row back, and during the howdy duty time, um, we had um, the lady right next to me. She said, oh, um, my name's Becca, and I have a question for you. Does, you. does your church, has your church ever been involved with Royal Family Kids Camp? And I said, no, but it's really interesting that you mention that because my wife is the new children's pastor, and we had just talked about this two and a half weeks ago, and uh, she would really like to get it started. She said, well, I do training on a national level for Royal Family Kids Camp. She was just visiting our church. Her home church was High Street here in, in Santa Cruz. But uh, just that connection. And then uh, Judy shared with uh, Pastor Jason at the time that uh, she really had this passion to see Royal Family start. She, he said, well, next door at the uh, dentist's office, dentist, right? Yeah, dentist's office, um, uh, there's uh, Dr. Norm Robinson who has a passion for Royal Family Kids Camp. He said, the reason I know that is he came over in a huff one day to complain about people from the church parking on their, their side of the parking lot during the week, and he was just kind of all kind of up, up in arms about that, but he was wearing a Royal Family Kids, Kids Camp shirt. And so right away, Jason's like, Royal Family Kids Camp. And so they had this wonderful, wonderful dialogue. And, and so Jason knew, oh, we have a, an advocate right next door, Dr. Norm Robinson. And then so Judy was also reading about how to get something launched. It's always good to, to get somebody involved uh, who's on the church board, get them excited about it so it's not just you kind of doing your own thing. So she thought, oh, uh, uh, Dana and Paula Morgan, who were part of our church at the time, and Dana was on the board. And so one Wednesday night, she, they came in to, to um, the lobby, and she said, okay, I've got a question for you two. Have you ever heard of Royal Family Kids Camp? And they said, no, we haven't. Um, well, I would love to approach you to see if you'd be interested in being involved. It's for foster, foster kids, and uh, we would like to get one started in the Santa Cruz area. And they said, oh, our daughter just just started as a foster parent, and we would love to, to hear more about it. So anyway, just this team that just came out of nowhere just to, to get this ministry launched, and it's been going now for 17 years. We've, we've moved on. We've had other capable leaders step in, and it's just been really exciting. But just to see how God had his hand from the very, very start. You know, we prayed about it, but then all of a sudden he just put people in our path, it was just totally a gift from God. I mean, what are the odds of, of even sitting next to this person, Becca, uh, on that Sunday? And you just never know what's going to happen when you trust God for something. When I was in high school, I was uh, our 
our pastor was Fulton Buntain. I don't know if you know the Buntain name, but some of you would be familiar with uh, uh, missionary Mark Buntain from Calcutta, India. And so he would speak often at our, our church in Tacoma, Washington. And one, one Sunday I just really felt compelled, okay, I, I feel a call to missions in my heart. And I didn't know where it was going to go, but my dad was a building contractor. And so I thought, you know what, my heart is really to help build churches. And so I'm thinking physical construction, but I was really a lousy, lousy carpenter. I, I worked for my dad during the summers, and I didn't mind stripping foundations and all that, but I, I just didn't get into to all the construction part of it. So I thought, okay, uh, kind of put that whole, whole vision on hold as far as becoming a missionary. But as we started, yes, yes is an interdenominational ministry, ministry so we're going... Uh, into churches, a lot of different churches uh, within the Assemblies of God, outside the Assemblies of God, just different, different. Uh, anybody who will take us, basically. <laughs> but, uh, but the, the needs we're addressing aren't aren't germane just to our own denomination. So, um, anyway, one of our Baptist board members, um, we, we, people started saying, "Oh, you guys need to become U.S. missionaries uh, with the Assemblies of God. You guys are are." Died in the wool, Assemblies of God people, so you need to become missionaries. And it's like, oh, we don't know how that's going to go over with our, our interdenominational board. So we were at Mount Hermon, uh, Dave Burns, who's the director of adult ministries there, and um, we shared with our board um, what we were thinking as far as becoming U.S. missionaries. And Dave said, he goes to, to Twin Lakes, he said, oh, my goodness, he said, go, go as deep as you can in the Assemblies of God and then as broad as you can with other churches. And so it's like, okay, that, that sounds really good. And so we approached our leadership in Springfield and said, uh, we'd like to become U.S. missionaries, but we also want to be interdenominational. And they said, as long as you don't forget the Assemblies of God in the mix, we're totally fine with you doing that. So anyway, it was just really neat to see how God orchestrated that. And it was really after the fact that I thought, whoa, I have just become my childhood prayer of becoming a missionary and I'm building churches, not, not with brick and mortar and, and studs and all that stuff, but I'm, we're actually helping to build churches and trying to, to strengthen the vision churches have for the potential of adults over 50, but also the inter, intergenerational component of ministry. I need people younger than me in my life. You who are younger, you need people who are older in your life. And that's the way God designed the church. He designed it for rich and poor to come together. He designed it for male, female. He designed it for families and single people. He designed it for widows and and just people that, that need Jesus. We all come together at the foot of the cross. Uh, yesterday we had a fun time. Uh, actually, Bill... Boyd and I were the only men there, but uh, it was a women's brunch and uh, honoring uh, the women from, from Teen Challenge. And just uh, thank you again, Bill and Rachel, for, for hosting us at, at De Anza Mobile Home Park. I guess it's not Mobile Home Park, it's whatever it's called, but it's, it's a manufactured homes and, and just an incredible setting overlooking the ocean there. But just the, the privilege of, of serving about 65, 70 women there yesterday and 
making Swedish pancakes. That was just a blessing. So, you know, even it's not just about women serving women. It's not just about men serving men. It's it's all of us together in the body of Christ. So, how we got started with yes, and I, I'm sorry to bore you for those of you that know the story already, but uh, I was working at at Bethany University, and we were in the middle of a a $6 million capital campaign raising money for a new residence hall. And Judy was starting to kind of ramp things up with yes. And I told her I really wanted to join wanted to join her, but I didn't want to abandon this uh, capital campaign because we were just reaching the halfway mark, uh, just had over, over $3 million committed, and we were just launching the public phase of the campaign. And so I said... You know, I'm kind of conflicted. I, I, I will stay with this campaign until the end. We want to make sure. But then <clears throat> one day I got called into the, into the president's office. And so I, I'm in there, and there's the district superintendent. There's the assistant superintendent. There's the secretary treasurer and the president. And it's like, oh, boy, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so anyway, they delicately tell me that uh, they were eliminating the advancement office at Bethany, and that my position would no longer exist. And so I just thought, oh my goodness, that's very interesting. And I, I probably didn't think just interesting. I th- probably thought a, f- a few other kind of upset thoughts and things like that. <clears throat> but um, anyway, I went home and uh, Judy had the TV on. I went and turned the TV off and I just said, uh, just let, let's talk. She said, well, I was kind of watching that show. And uh, <laughs> so... I said, no, I said, let's talk. I said, God has answered our prayers. And so she thought, okay, a $3 million gift came in for Bethany. <laughs> and I said, no, they've actually eliminated my position. They've eliminated our office. And it's like, that's an answer to prayer? And I said, yeah, yes, it is. That's, we were praying that God would allow me to, to join you in this ministry. And so God has used this to, to move us move us forward, and so it was the very next day um, we had this appointment up in, in San Francisco to, to listen to a kind of the foremost um, secular author about uh, the baby boomers and retirement, an uh, author named Mark Friedman, a wonderful Jewish man that, that has written some really provocative, challenging things, and he has a vision for this whole intergenerational thing probably just from reading that Old, Old Testament, there's just so much intertwined between the generations. It's not just young people here, old people here. It's all of us working together. But anyway, just seeing God, God uh, at his, his handiwork, just uh, even in the negative decisions that are made, uh, a real miracle for us was God just kind of worked on my heart. And the first major serving event we did was back at Bethany, uh, that next summer, I said to Judy, it's like, you know, we could have people come from, from all over and come and serve at Bethany. And she said, really? It's like, yeah. I said, that would just, that would make sense. And it's like, it was such a joy for me to be in jeans and uh, grubby clothes, digging, you know, pulling weeds and all that and seeing the people go by with their ties and, and sport coats and all that. It's like, oh, God has freed me from that. So... <laughs> You just never know how God's going to lead you. Um, we were blessed at, at one of the uh, Royal Family Kids Camp fundraisers. Um, Brian and Leona 
Ravenio came up to us and they said, uh, Wes and Judy, uh, our family is just getting going and we would love to spend more time with you guys. And to God be the glory, they said, we really like how your, your kids turned out. And we do too. And that uh, just absolutely to God be the glory. But they said, we just love, we would love to hang out with you maybe like once a month. And so we've had this, this really neat opportunity. We kind of have, we've missed a few few months, so we're, we're raring to go again. But um, just have a, have a special bond with Ryan and Leona. And so as we were meeting, uh, their, saw her, their daughter take her first steps at our house. That was fun. Um, just a lot of needs that were shared. Some were were just heartfelt needs that, that God just needed to move. And, and one uh, one uh, evening we were having dinner at their place. I said, okay, we have a huge prayer request. Um, our housing situation has changed and our landlord is going to move back into the condo where we're living. And so we've been looking and just there's just nothing out there in our price range. And they said, we're thinking about moving to, to uh, Portland, Oregon. And Brian had just, just become a board member here at CLC, and it's like, oh, Lord, we want them here. We want them here. And so um, we, we started sharing with them some of the, the miracles God had done for us as far as housing. I mean, for us, it started, I was at a wedding up in Washington. This is Judy and I had just fallen in love. I was at a wedding up in Washington State and told, I, I met this girl who was the cousin of the bride, at this wedding, didn't know her, but I told her I, I was getting ready to move to Southern California, and I heard that she was from California, and she said, oh, you need to move into my place. <laughs> and it's like, whoa. She was moving up to Washington. I, was, I wasn't moving with her. Um, but she had this wonderful place on Balboa Peninsula that was $500 a month during the winter months and $600 a week during the summer. And so it was like, oh my goodness, this is a God thing because Balboa was right next to Costa Mesa. That's where Judy was the residence director and all this. So anyway, God just orchestrated that. Just, I mean, just a total random, random conversation with somebody at a wedding. But it just, it went on from there. Other housing miracles. So we, we told Brian and Leona some of our stories and just said, okay, if you... If you're going to pray for a miracle, you'll want to believe God for a miracle. Don't just settle for a good deal, but if you're going to pray for a miracle, trust God that he's going to provide a miracle. And so we said, okay, what, what are you hoping for? And they said, well, we'd, we'd love to stay in Scotts Valley. I said, okay, let's, let's pray. And so we started praying, and probably within 10 seconds, God just dropped uh, Leroy and Mary Childs into my heart saying, oh, I remember that they have a vacant duplex in Scotts Valley. It met their criteria. It's, it's in Scotts Valley, so it just came to my mind. And the reason I knew about that, a tree had fallen on their property, and Leroy had asked Yes to come over to help clean up the, the debris from the tree. So God had let this tree fall, so we, we could be aware that they had this, this uh, um, duplex. And so I talked to, to Leroy and Mary the, the next day, and said, would you be open to at least talking with Brian and Leona? Our faith at that point was maybe with Brian's construction skills, he could move into one of the one of the duplexes and renovate the other one and get reduced rent and, and just kind of work it out that way. 
And so a couple weeks later, they said, well, that dream has kind of fallen through. Uh, they don't want to, to rent. It's, it's not going to... It's not going to work. And so, okay, God, God's got something else for you. But it was like, oh, that, that kind of just <clears throat> kind of, it was, we were so excited, but then our faith kind of wavered a little bit. But we kept praying. <clears throat> Two weeks later, um, they said, okay, pray. We're, we're going to go talk to a loan agent about getting approved for a mortgage. And, and Brian had been working with a commission-based um, salary, so he couldn't really... Uh, while in his first two years of having commission only, um, it wasn't enough to, to go on. But he, he had now surpassed that two-year mark, so he, he applied for uh, a loan, mortgage loan, and was approved. And so then the next thing we know, they're coming over to our house, and they said, okay, we've been on a roller coaster. And it's like, okay, how does this roller coaster end? And he said, oh, it ends well, it ends well. And so anyway, they end up buying the duplex that, we had faith, faith that God would provide a, a way for them to get in as renters and maybe all that. Anyway, they, they fixed up the other unit, moved into to one, one of the, the downstairs, or I guess the upstairs, um, and the short story, uh, out of a long story, is that they, <clears throat> they were, end up paying about the same amount that they were paying uh, when they were renting. So they, they transitioned in this crazy economy to uh, duplex owners and just just to see God do miraculous things. So these stories that we have of God's faithfulness to be able to share our, our stories with a younger couple like Brian and Leona, just, it just brings such encouragement to us. And um, another story real quick. Um, we were having a... Uh, yes, was having a, a women's sewing party here, and we also had a serving day over in San Jose, the same same time. So Judy was heading over here to this sewing party. She was going to pick up some women from Teen Challenge, and as she was coming up, Glenwood cut off out of our neighborhood. Somebody hit her almost head on, but just knocked knocked our vehicle into the into the side of the road and totaled totaled our our ministry vehicle. And so we uh, just, Judy was kind of shaken up, but fortunately no, no injuries. And uh, we got in touch with the insurance company and they, they said, okay, well, fortunately the other driver had insurance and all that. So it all, all worked out well on the insurance part, but we needed a new, another vehicle. And so we, <clears throat> it was January and we were, we have our, our church has been having like a week long prayer emphasis in January every year. And so that was one of our big needs, just God, if he could provide for us. So the word, word went out that we needed a, a, either a sedan or a compact SUV. And that was just kind of the general word, word, word that went out. <clears throat> we were saying in our private prayers, Lord, if you could provide a vehicle that's 2,000 or newer. We have never owned a, a vehicle that was 2,000 or newer. So it was like, okay, we, we want to come into this century. Uh, it would be nice if it had less than 100,000 miles. And uh, the insurance company said, well, okay, you have a loaner vehicle until Friday, February 2nd. And so, so we were praying, and we got these calls coming in. People said, um, yeah, we've, uh, I've, got a, I've got a really good deal on a compact SUV. It, it, 
Normally it would sell for 14000 but because of your need, we'll give it to you for 12500 And it's like, that doesn't sound like a miracle. That doesn't sound... And we're, we're praying for a miracle. It doesn't sound like a miracle. So anyway, the time was approaching. Um, it was a Sunday before that Friday, February 2nd. And after church here at CLC, went home, opened up my email, and I said, oh, Judy, you're not going to believe this. And so I read this email, and it's from a lady in Chico, and she said, this might sound really strange, but God has told me to give you my compact SUV, give you my compact, not sell you, give you my compact SUV. It's a 2002 Ford Escape. It has 98,000 miles. And she said, I can have it ready for you by this Friday, um, February 2nd. And it was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, just to see God's hand in things like that. These are, these are miracles on the American level. I loved missionary stories of, of what happened on foreign fields. But God is, is, has, has his signature on what we're doing, just totally independent from us, apart from, thank you so much, um, We could pray, but we could not orchestrate the miracle. God had to provide the miracle, and we are just so, so blessed by, by that. <clears throat> there was one uh, Sunday with, with our uh, seniors group here at CLC. We were having you do an exercise of writing down your dreams. What, what are you dreaming of? It's just a little three-by-five card. What do you, what's, what's your dreams? Just thinking, you know, it says old men shall dream dreams. What, what are your dreams? And so this just happened oh, probably sometime this summer, but, but Judy found this stack of cards, and it was really cool because I, I found my card, and this was from four or five years ago, and it says, I dream of writing a book that will inspire adults to live beyond their own expectations. And it's like, praise the Lord. I, that was a dream I had, and God fulfilled the dream. And even getting to that dream being fulfilled, my first and only book came out a year ago called, called Half to the Quest for a God-Honoring Encore. But how that kind of came about as far as a springboard, I was going to meet with this gentleman, Ward Tannenberg, up in Washington and a lady named Leona Bergstrom. And so our meeting was scheduled and confirmed and all that. So we go to the coffee shop and Ward Tannenberg doesn't show up. And, and we just have a little practice that I, I don't go meet with women without, it's pretty unusual that I would go just meet with a woman. But um, anyway, it happened because Ward Tannenberg didn't show up that I'm meeting there with this lady named Leona, and they, she and her husband had just written a book. And so I'm just able, because this meeting was canceled, or because the other person didn't show up, I was just able to quiz her on how did you get started writing a book? How did it happen? So they, they kind of, she and her husband became my coach to, to kind of get me launched in writing a book. But again, just circumstance, unusual circumstance that, that God just allowed that all to happen. <clears throat> so a year ago, January, this is January of 2017, uh, we were having our week-long prayer, prayer group here, but I had to, to leave after the first day because I was going to uh, the Chi Alpha World Missions Summit down in Houston, Texas. And so 
God had just dropped in my heart, just again, right, sitting right around here. But he said, okay, CLC, you're in, you're in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is a college town and it's a tourist town. And it's like, we have to be stronger in reaching the college community. We're, we're on the west side of Santa Cruz. We've got to find an inroad to reaching UC Santa Cruz. And so the other thing I thought, okay, we're also a tourist town, and we as a congregation, we need to sharpen our hospitality skills because the hospitality industry is, is, is you know, very alive here in Santa Cruz. People love to come to Santa Cruz, and if we could be more hospitable as, as people, as individuals, and as a congregation, uh, God's going to do some, some good things. So the very next day, I'm on a bus from the Houston airport to the hotel, and the guy behind me is, is on staff with, uh, with Chi Alpha in Alabama. And, and so I told him I was from Santa Cruz, and he said, oh, Santa Cruz. He said, they are having their, their um, annual missionaries meeting for the West Coast leaders of Chi Alpha. They're having that in July of last year, and it'll be, it'll be in Santa Cruz. And so that's, this is the only person I ever heard this from, was a guy from Alabama on a bus from in Houston going to, to the hotel. But I just logged that because, oh my goodness, I thought of this prayer I had the day before right here at CLC, providing hospitality and the college community is like, wow, this is, a, this is an opportunity just dropped in our lap that God just ordained it that, that I would hear, hear this from some guy from Alabama. Um, so anyway, we made a call to the, the Chi Alpha director at Stanford. He said, oh, no, the person you really want to talk to is Jeremy Anderson. He's the, the West Coast Chi Alpha director. And so then I contacted Jeremy and just said, okay, we've got a passion to see uh, Chi Alpha come to UC Santa Cruz and to basically to, to um, Cabrillo as well. But um, here you're coming. What can we as Yes do to provide hospitality for your your event coming up in July? He said, oh, he said, I'm just really touched that you, get, you guys as older adults would have this passion to see college students come to or have this connection with Chi Alpha. And so he said, okay, a couple things. If you could help us with the welcome packets, if you could help us with airport transportation, and then if you could get a couple people to our prayer meeting on Saturday, that would be really cool. Um, so we helped with the welcome packets. Um, Rick Moraga, he helped. Uh, we, we, we helped uh, pick up people from, from the uh, San Jose airport, took them to the Chaminade. And then this need to have um, somebody there at their prayer meeting. I was, was going to be involved at uh, City Impact in San Francisco that Saturday, so I couldn't be there. But he said, it'd be cool if you can get somebody from Christian Life Center and somebody outside your church as well. So I asked Brian Ravenio if he'd be there for the prayer meeting on that Saturday. He, he was willing. And so I announced at this interdenominational meeting uh, two days or three days before I just asked uh, if there's anyone that would be open to attending this prayer meeting. And this lady named Kathy, she said, said, God told me three days ago, I was driving by the Chaminade, and he told me you're going to be involved in something there at the Chaminade. And she said, I would, I would assume this is it. 
And, uh, and so she said, yes, I will be there Saturday. I'll change my schedule. I will be there for this prayer meeting. And so to have Kathy, I'd never met Kathy before, but I guess she, she ran the prayer room ministry here in Santa Cruz for like 18 years and just, just a real prayer warrior. And so to have her there, Brian there, um, but to have Kathy, she, she spread the word about Chi Alpha and, the, and this whole interest in them possibly coming to Santa Cruz. She spread it to her church and to others in the, in the community. So every time I'd go to this interdenominational event, they'd say, okay, how's it going with Chi Alpha? And I said, well, I had talked to Jeremy. He said, it'll happen someday, but it's probably going to be a real long process. Um, God, God has to, to raise somebody up, and we're, we're working on it. We really want to get somebody here. Um, and so a few months go by, and then um, a guy named Ron Hart from uh, Santa Cruz Bible Church, he, he sent me an email. He said, okay, there's a, a girl named Rochelle. I want you and Judy to meet with her, um, and she can kind of explain a little bit more why, why I think you should meet. So we, we met her at the Verve, and Rochelle came from, from Colorado to Santa Cruz, and uh, she said, God told me to come for five years to Santa Cruz. And she said, right now my passion is to see Chi Alpha come to Santa Cruz. And it's like, wow, did you know that's our passion too? <laughs> and so anyway, she, we had this conversation. She's not from an Assembly of God background. She has not yet attended college. She's from Colorado. So kind of out of the blue, lady we're just meeting for the first time. But she, she said, you know, I'm really passionate to see this happen. Uh, same same day, I get a uh, text from from Jeremy Anderson, and so um, just I just shared with him this, this conversation we conversation we just had with uh, Rochelle, and and I said, by the way, um, Pastor Ryan has just left CLC, and this was like in May May of this year, and he said, oh, he said I'm going, my wife and I are going to uh, West Africa. Uh, for the summer, but boy, if there's any chance I could come and speak here uh, sometime before school's out, it would just be fun to to connect with students and just kind of move this whole thing along as far as as far as getting Chi Alpha to Santa Cruz. And so one of the first things out of Jeremy's mouth when he came in June and spoke, he said, "I am not a candidate for for the pastor." And so. He, he really wasn't. He was. He was just looking to, to further to get recruit somebody to come to to Santa Cruz to uh, to uh, move uh, Chi Alpha along. But as, as God, I'll let him tell the rest of the story because I really don't know the rest of the story other than finding out later this year, like you did, that he was our number one candidate to come and uh, share this week, and then uh, hopefully. Hopefully God will see fit to have him voted in next week, but we, we leave that up to, to God and, and the congregation. But anyway, just to see God's handiwork all, all along the way, and it's just God is a, a God of miracles. He puts people in our path. And I just want to challenge you, challenge ourselves to keep praying. All, all of these miracles happened first and foremost because we prayed and then God, God responds. He responds to prayer. He likes to get the glory. He doesn't want us to get the glory. He wants to get the glory for the good things that happen. So but by praying, we are saying, God, can you, can you work out a miracle? Can you do something that we on our own strength can't do? And just to see God move, 
supernaturally through people, sometimes people that we know well, sometimes people that never met again. I never got the guy's name from Alabama to thank him. But uh, anyway, it's just really, really cool to, to see how God, God moves. So again, that passage says, But as for me, I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long. For I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness. Yours alone, O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. So expect more in the way of answered prayer. Expect more hospitality. Expect more college students. We were absolutely blessed during this whole season. Like this was February, March of last year that this huge influx of Asian American Christian Fellowship students uh, came into our church. 40, 45 students and uh, as Pastor Ryan had shared with the congregation, one reason they came, uh, you know, Pastor Ryan, on, on one of the Sundays when you guys were gone for spring break, he said one of the reasons they came is because of how the older adults in our church reached out to them. They had been to other churches where there were older adults, but there was no connection. And so the people, when we share this, people say, well, that's, that's the Asian culture, of course. They respect older adults. But it's a need that we have in all of our lives to, to get outside of our pure bubble and to, to reach outside our comfort zone and to connect. And so Pastor Ryan had said, okay, what can we do for you guys? And he's thinking fog machine during worship or a van for transportation. And, and uh, Nick, the leader at that time, he said, if you could find a way to, to help us better connect uh, with the older adults in your church, that would be incredible. So, just to, to I know that their numbers have dwindled because we haven't had a pastor uh, here, but we are just excited about uh, a groundswell of, of students uh, coming back to our church and, and just really envision that happening. <clears throat> Final scripture verse from Acts 17. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. It even says in the next verse that uh, even on the bond servants. So it's just this this work of the Spirit that God wants to do in every generation, not just older people, not just younger people, and not us separately, but us together, seeing visions, dreaming dreams together, and just being just ready for more of God in our lives. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for the stories that you've given us.